Yes, I'm so pumped. Why? Because it's the 30th episode of this podcast. I know, right? I made it. And honestly, I never thought I'd go this far. I thought I'd run out of things to talk about in like under 10 episodes. But here we are, episode 30. I just want to thank all my listeners, from those that started from episode 1 and to those who have joined recently. You have all continued to motivate me to create more content and keep this show alive. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Before we begin, I have an announcement to make. I'll be taking a break from posting episodes for a month and I'll be back on the week beginning on the 3rd of October. When I say it's a break, it's not actually a break. I'm going to use this time to plan, create and write more content so that I can come back with a bang after the break. Delivering content like this requires a lot of time to do research and script writing, so I'll be using the month-long break to do all of that. I apologise if I'll be MIA for a while, but don't worry, I'll still be on my Instagram posting out extra content, and it'll also give you all an opportunity to catch up on my podcast by tuning in to my existing episodes. I probably will also post out a couple of smaller episodes slash special content, which I'm going to hush-hush about until they come out. Wait, actually, the first one is the extended cut of the Shang-Chi episode, which I mentioned last week. Sorry, don't worry. Uh, the second one, the, the content, the special content, that will be hush-hush. So, uh, if you want to find out, stay tuned. So, yeah, just wanted to tell you these things. Now that we got that out of the way, let's dive into episode 30 of the Bamboo History Podcast, shall we? For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. My name is Stephen. And the Bamboo History Podcast is a podcast that focuses on Chinese and broader East Asian history. Please subscribe if you like this sort of content. Head on to my Instagram as well, where you can find additional content such as visuals for episodes, teasers, and additional content that aren't podcast episodes. My username is at Bamboo History Podcast, so please check it out and give me a follow there too. Thanks. Alright, alright, I've waffled on for so long now. So let's dive straight in to the podcast. Episode 30 is a milestone for me, so I thought I'd do a special topic today. Get ready everyone for my poor Vietnamese pronunciation, because today's episode will be a Vietnamese history special. I want to say sorry in advance to any Vietnamese speakers. I'll try my best to pronounce the Vietnamese words the proper way, but if I'm not properly pronouncing them, please forgive me, it's not my first language. Okay now, let's begin for real. Hanoi is the capital city of Vietnam and its second largest city. Unlike Vietnam's largest city, Ho Chi Minh City, or known colloquially as Saigon, Hanoi has a relaxed vibe that contrasts with Saigon's bustling and hectic metropolis. According to TripAdvisor, some recommended places to see while visiting Hanoi are The Old Quarter, Lake of the Restored Sword, Tang Long Water Puppet Theatre, and the Imperial Citadel of Tang Long. However, in the centre of Hanoi is a district that contains some of Vietnam's top educational institutions. These include the Hanoi University of Technology, Hanoi National Economic University, and the Hanoi University of Civil Engineering. If you've got time, maybe check out these places as well. The point is, The name of this particular district is called the 
Hai Ba Chung District, spelt H-A-I-B-A-T-R-U-N-G. Why is it named Hai Ba Chung? Who is Hai Ba Chung? Vietnamese people may already be familiar with this, but Hai Ba Chung in English is translated to Chung Sisters, and the Chung Sisters are the two Vietnamese heroines that I'll talk about today. Heroine as in female hero, not the, not the you know, drug that people do, just making it clear. To understand the Chung Sisters and their story, we will need to strap ourselves into the bamboo history time machine and travel thousands of years into the past. We will need to briefly talk about the background of the Vietnamese people. The earliest Vietnamese people were known in Vietnamese as Lac Viet, spelt L-A-C-V-I-E-T, or pronounced in Chinese as Luo Yue, spelt L-U-O-Y-U-E. The Lac Viet people were a tribe of people classified broadly with other groups of tribes living in southern China and northern Vietnam at the time called the Bai Yue or known in Vietnamese as the Bac Viet. I talk about the Bai Yue people in episode 16 of my podcast, which also includes a cool origin myth of the Lac Viet peoples involving a sea dragon. If you want to learn more on that sea dragon or on that story, tune into episode 16 after you finish listening to this one. Oh, and quick note, I'll be using the words Lac Viet and Vietnamese interchangeably. As for the context of this episode, the Lac Viet people are the local Vietnamese people at the time, so are technically Vietnamese. The Lac Viet first came under Chinese rule when the Qin Dynasty of China expanded south from central China and conquered the region. Then after the Qin Dynasty collapsed, southern China came under the control of a Chinese general named Zhao Tuo, spelt Z-H-A-O-T-U-O, who is known in Vietnamese as Chiu Da, spelt T-R-I-E-U-D-A. Zhao Tuo conquered the Lac Viet peoples, declared himself an emperor, and established the Nanyue Kingdom in the year 204 BCE. Nanyue is spelt N-A-N-Y-U-E. The Nanyue Kingdom is known in Vietnamese as the Nam Viet, spelt N-A-M-V-I-E-T. I also reckon that's where Vietnam gets its name. I mean, if you look at the words Vietnam and the words Nam Viet, they almost seem like they are just the exact same words flipped around. Vietnam, Nam Viet. Vietnam, Nam Viet. Okay, anyways. The Nanyue Nam Viet Kingdom ruled southern China and northern Vietnam for almost a hundred years until it was conquered by the emerging Han Dynasty. Han, spelt H-A-N. The Han Dynasty conquered the Nanyue Nam Viet Kingdom in the year 112 BCE. And whilst the Han Dynasty is a source of pride for many Chinese people, it is definitely a source of bitterness for the Vietnamese. The Han Dynasty conquest meant that for the first time, the Lac Viet peoples were now living under Chinese control. Some may argue that the Lac Viet were already under some sort of control by the Chinese during the Nanyue Nam Viet period. However, in reality, the Nanyue Nam Viet Kingdom was a multi-ethnic kingdom, and the Yue, or Viet people, were able to hold positions of power equal to the Chinese. Now, however, under the Han Empire, 
the Lakhvit people were relegated to second-class citizens. When the Han Empire conquered Vietnam, they renamed the area of northern Vietnam to Jiao Zhi, Jiao Zhi spelt J-I-A-O-Z-H-I, and it's known in Vietnamese as Gao Chi, spelt G-I-A-O-C-H-I. A Chinese garrison was sent there to keep the peace, and a governor was appointed to oversee Jiao Zhi. However, the local Lakviets were still given some autonomy, and local Lakviet lords still ruled their lands and attended to the day-to-day affairs of the Lakviet people. Over time, the Han Chinese became more and more oppressive on the Vietnamese people and their culture. They began forcibly assimilating the Vietnamese into Chinese culture, a process known by historians as Sinicization. This included, for example, forcing the Vietnamese to ditch their cultural customs and language and to make them learn Chinese customs and language instead. Yeah, I mean, screw that, right? Legit, they're asking them to ditch their identity. Jeez. Additionally, the Chinese began imposing harsher taxes on the local Vietnamese people, which only made them more unhappy. It clearly wasn't looking like a win-win situation. Oh, whoops, was that a pun? for the Vietnamese, and it was clear that a boiling point would reach. That boiling point was in the year 39 CE. Su Ding, spelt S-U-D-I-N-G, was a governor of Jiao Zhi at the time, and was known, according to Vietnamese historical texts, as a cruel and violent ruler. That part about him being cruel and violent is conveniently left out of Chinese historical texts, the spark was lit when Su Ding executed a local Lakviet Vietnamese lord named Tisak, spelt T-H-I-S-A-C-H. The Chinese historical text Hou Han Shu, spelt H-O-U-H-A-N-S-H-U, states that Tisak was executed for breaking the law. However, some say that Tisak was a victim of Su Ding's cruelty while others say it was because Tisak had expressed disapproval towards the Chinese for the harsh laws against the local Vietnamese. Regardless, Tisak's death angered his wife, whose name was Chung Chak, spelt T-R-U-N-G-T-R-A-C. Chung Chak was the elder of the Chung sisters, and yeah, when her husband was executed, understandably, she was kind of not happy about it. Wanting to avenge her husband's death, Chung Chuck and her younger sister Chung Yi, spelt T-R-U-N-G-N-H-I, rallied the local Vietnamese people to join their cause in rebelling against Su Ding and the Chinese government. And around 80,000 Vietnamese people heard them and were like, Yeah sisters, we hear you, and joined them in their cause. Thus, in the year 40 CE, the Chung sisters' rebellion began. It's important to note that the Chung sisters weren't nobodies. They weren't faceless women or just random girls picked out of a haystack. The Chung sisters were the daughters of a powerful and wealthy Lakviet lord from an area called Melin, spelt M-E-L-I-N-H, and is presently the Melin district in Hanoi. So you can say the Chung sisters were technically Vietnamese royalty. The sisters had grown up well-versed in Vietnamese culture and were instilled with Vietnamese patriotism from a young age, which perhaps fueled their passion to start a rebellion in their adult years. To the local Vietnamese, 
they also held celebrity status. There is a legend amongst the Vietnamese that the Chung sisters had once killed a tiger and used its skin to write a promise to their people to follow them in their fight against their Chinese overlords. I mean, two beautiful women, two princesses literally, killing a bloody tiger and then promising their people they'd be free of Chinese colonialism? OMG, if I was a Vietnamese bloke at the time, fuck. I'd be admiring them so much, I'd be dying to get their autograph. My point is, the Chung sisters were influential and it was no surprise that they quickly attracted many followers to rebel against the Chinese. This was also exacerbated by the fact that the Vietnamese were sick and tired of being treated like second-class citizens by the Chinese. The rebellion started off well for the Chung sisters, really well in fact. With so many people in the rebel army, they quickly overwhelmed the Chinese of the entire Jiao Zhi province, or the whole of northern Vietnam. It was recorded that within the first year, the Chung sisters' army had taken over 65 or so settlements that had been controlled by the Chinese. Wow. As Borat would comment, the rebellion so far had been a great success. The sisters were probably like, fully happy that they were defeating the Chinese. But for Chung Chuck, one thing would have been sticking out in her head. Su Ding, that piece of horse poo, the guy that killed her husband, where was he? I want to bloody kill him, thought Chung Chuck. It turns out that when the rebels attacked the Jiao Zhi capital city, Su Ding, seeing how dominant the rebels were, fled the city and ran back to China. Lol, what a coward. But I guess that didn't matter, because the Chung sisters had helped the Vietnamese win back their land. Hooray! Weehee! Before, the Chung sisters were just minor celebrities. Now, they were like bloody legends, and heroes for that matter. Chung Truc was crowned the queen of the Luc Viet Vietnamese peoples, and was known as Chung Vong, which means Queen Chung, I think. And a seat of government was in Mê Linh which coincidentally was where she was originally from. And if you don't remember, Meilin is where Hanoi is in modern times. It has often been said that both Chung Chuk and Chung Yi ruled together. However, according to historical records, such as the Vietnamese text Dai Viet Suk Ki Tuan Tu, spelt D-A-I-V-I-E-T-S-U-K-Y-T-O-A-N-T-H-U, it was recorded that Chung Chuk was the queen and the actual leader. Zhong Yi, meanwhile, most likely served as her top advisor and led the army, because she was seen as the better warrior and fighter of the two. As the queen, Zhong Chuk served to restore Vietnamese identity back to the Jiao Zhi region, and also removed the harsh taxes that the Chinese had imposed on the Vietnamese people. And so, Queen Zhong Chuk, her sister Zhong Yi, and all the Lakvit Vietnamese people all lived happily ever not after. Ha! You thought the story ended there. Nope, we ain't done yet. Don't pull out your earphones just yet. The Chinese weren't just about to give up their um <coughs> possession of Vietnam. After Su Ding fled back to China, he sent word to the Emperor of China, telling him everything that had happened and begged him for help. Emperor, help me. Help me please. Bang bang wobba. Help me. 
Help. Two years later, in the year 42 CE, the emperor decided to help. The emperor sent one of his most experienced generals named Ma Yuan, Ma Yuan spelt M-A-Y-U-A-N, to quash the Chung sisters' rebellion. Ma Yuan led around 10,000 to 20,000 soldiers and journeyed their way down to northern Vietnam. Did the Chung sisters know about Ma Yuan's impending arrival? Of course they did. How did they react? They reacted like this. Oi sister, there's a Chinese army coming to attack us. Oh, okay. Huh, cool story. Just send out our army and destroy them. It's going to be easy peasy, Chinese Vietnamese squeezy. Looking back, it's not hard to see why they didn't give two horse poos about Ma Yuan's army. So far, all they had tasted was success, and to them, the Han army was like nothing to them. I mean, they pretty much took over all of their land back in just like that. So to them, defeating Ma Yuan was a piece of Bang Dai Lung cake. The Chung sisters' army met Ma Yuan's army at Langbak, spelt L-A-N-G-B-A-C, which is in the present-day city of Bakning, B-A-C-N-I-N-H, northeast of Hanoi, and they prepared to fight. The Vietnamese army was markedly larger, with tens of thousands of soldiers, and outnumbered Ma Yuan's army, which was 20,000 strong at best. The Vietnamese army fought Ma Yuan's army, and they were absolutely destroyed by the Chinese army. What? What What? What just happened? Yeah, it turns out the golden rule is to never get complacent and underestimate someone. The Chung sisters had got this one very wrong. You see, the victories they had scored up until now had been against the Jiaozhi regional garrisons, who had been deployed to keep the peace in the region and hence were not regular soldiers who were experienced in warfare. Meanwhile, Ma Yuan's army was regular Han military who were seasoned fighters, having constantly battled the nomadic tribes to the north of the Han Empire. And if you've ever tuned into my previous episodes, you will understand how tough it was to defeat these northern nomadic tribes. Hence, despite being outnumbered, Ma Yuan's army was more experienced and more organised as a professional military unit as opposed to the Trung sisters' army. According to the Dai Viet Su Ki Tuan Tu, it was recorded that even though the Vietnamese army was large, they were highly disorganised as a military unit, which worried Trung Chuk when they reached the battlefield. This was also in addition to the fact that they were also inexperienced at fighting, with many having picked up arms to fight straight from the farmlands and rice paddies. The whole Han Shu records that Ma Yuan's army heavily defeated the Chung sisters' army at Lang Bak, where they killed thousands of Vietnamese soldiers and captured over 10,000 of them. The Dai Viet Su Ki Tuan Tu further records that the Chung sisters retreated with remnants of their army and that more of their soldiers ran away, losing faith in Chung Chuk because she was a woman and had doubts that a woman would actually be able to lead an army properly. That's just the history book talking, by the way, not me. Ma Yuan sensing momentum was on his side, led his army and basically destroyed all the remnants of the Chung sisters' rebel army. In the following year, in the year 43 CE, Chung Chuk and Chung Yi 
saw that their army was pretty much gone, either killed or captured by the Chinese army, and they themselves were cornered by Ma Yuan's army. The Chung sisters fought valiantly, but in the end they were captured by Ma Yuan and were executed by decapitation, and their severed heads were sent back to the Han dynasty capital of Luoyang, where their heads were delivered to the emperor as proof that the rebellion in Jiao Zhi in northern Vietnam had been quashed. The Chung sisters' rebellion, after three years, was officially over. Whilst the Chinese text, the whole Han Shu, states they were captured and beheaded, the Vietnamese text, the Dai Viet Suki Tuan Tu, does not specify how they were killed. It simply says that Ma Yuan defeated them and that the sisters died. Perhaps this gave way to various other sayings of how they died. The most notable one is that the Chung sisters were fierce and determined fighters who would have never surrendered to the Chinese or allowed themselves to be simply captured. Instead, they plunged themselves into a river and committed suicide by drowning. From a Vietnamese perspective, this is probably the version that would be more receptive. I mean, dying from suicide in the face of an enemy's advance is a lot more heroic than simply being captured and beheaded. The Chung Sisters' Rebellion is an example of one of the earliest mass resistance by the Vietnamese over the Chinese. And whilst it was good while it lasted, it came to an unfortunate end. And furthermore, things didn't get better for the Vietnamese after that. Ma Yuan had come to the conclusion that the local Luc Viet lords were a threat to Chinese rule on the region and wiped out most of the Luc Viet aristocracy. By wiped out, I mean murdered and thousands of upper-class Lakviets died during this purge. Without any potential Vietnamese leaders around to start a rebellion, the Chinese then imposed even stricter sinicization measures on the local people, forcing them to adopt Chinese ways and making them ditch their <coughs> cough cough barbaric and tribal ways. Ma Yuan has been recorded as an outstanding military general in Chinese history and has been seen positively in Chinese culture. But after seeing what he did to the Vietnamese, what do you think of him? I think it's a good takeaway here to look at both the Chinese and the Vietnamese perspectives of this story and make that judgement call yourself. The quashing of the Chung Sisters' Rebellion also began a period of Chinese domination over Vietnam for 500 years, until a man named Lai Bon rebelled against the Chinese, won, and established the Lai Dynasty in Vietnam. But that's a story for another day. Before I wrap up this episode, I wanted to recite a Vietnamese proverb that I believe really resonates with my opinion of this rebellion. It goes like this. In English, the quote means, Even the women fight when the enemy is at the gates. I believe in a sense, Chung Chuck and Chung Yi, despite their character and strong patriotism, fought the Chinese as an act of desperation. It probably reflected on the dire situation of the Vietnamese at the time, oppressed by the Chinese so much to the extent that even women like the Chung sisters needed to stand up and fight for what was theirs. There is kind of a happy ending though. The Chung sisters are now highly revered in modern Vietnamese culture, and there are statues of them everywhere in Vietnam, because they represent Vietnamese patriotism, the fight against colonialism, and also the empowerment of women.
So yeah, that's it. That's the story of the Chung Sisters' Rebellion. Apologies again to any Vietnamese speakers for my pronunciation of Vietnamese words in this episode. It's not my first language and I had to listen to these words spoken in Vietnamese on repeat on YouTube videos and that female robot voice on Google Translate just to figure out how to pronounce these words properly. If you enjoyed this episode, please give me a like, comment on your podcast platform with some hopefully positive feedback, and most importantly, subscribe to my podcast. I also have an Instagram too, at Bamboo History Podcast, so be sure to follow me there and check out my additional content as well. If you want to contact me with any feedback, words of encouragement, or topic suggestions, please DM me on my Instagram account or email me. I'll put my details in the episode description box below. Lastly, another reminder that I will not be posting any episodes for a month, as I'll be using that time to do research and write scripts for future episodes. Don't worry, I'll still be active on Instagram, and you can also use this time to catch up to my other episodes. Rest assured, I'll be back in the first week of October with a bang. Okay, I've got to go now. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening, and I'll see you next time in a month on the Bamboo History Podcast. Bye for now.